Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Great. So... Um, last weekend I wasn't here, I was with Zoe and Andy Smith who's at the back and we went to Athens um, and it was nice and it was warm but we also went to go and speak to some church leaders and to encourage them um, in a tough place who were starting churches and reaching out in new ways and, uh, but for a few days, a couple of days we got to stay in this place which had um, a nice waterfront area and we, so we would get up, you know, myself and Andy decided to go for it we'd get up early in the morning, go for a little run and then um, on the way back the water was there and I said, you know, why don't we kind of do the swim thing it was a little bit cold it looked, you know, it looks cold, but let's do it. And um, it's probably a bad idea because we both got really bitten by mosquitoes. Um, but as we were as we were going up to it, there was like this rocky area that you really didn't want to walk in because it was like, oh, there was this nice slope that you could go down where the boats went. So I thought, well, I'll go down there. I'll go down the slopey bit. And um, so put one foot, I said to Andy, oh no, it's fine, it's fine, it's not too cold, put one foot in, and then it was on this slope like that, and my leg, and as I put my foot on, the, the foot started to go, whoosh, like that, because it was like this mossy stuff, and then I thought, oh no, rescue yourself, put that foot on, whoosh, I was skiing, basically, without skis, and then, and it was, and, the, and then, and then whoosh, and it went, whoa, 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 and I let out a word, which it might have been tongues, but you may have, it may have sounded more like a swear word as I <laughs> fell into the water, really, not very gracefully, and big splash. And then I was in. And it was like, oh, it's all right once you're in, like that Michael Mackin- <laughs> like the Michael McIntyre sketch that you might have seen. Oh, it's lovely once you're in. But um, even before that... I'd been thinking about a passage in the Bible, which I'd set. We, we, we did. Um, we, we've been planning this series, and there was a, there was um, a, a talk I'd already done for today. But then, as I kept preparing for it, God kept saying to me, "I want you to speak on Ezekiel 47." And I was like, "Oh, I've never really spoken on Ezekiel, and it all seems a bit hard and a bit difficult to understand, and I don't really get it. So maybe if I just stick with what I'm doing, and it's one of those things where God says, "Well, you can go with what you want to say, or you can go with what I want to say." So I think I'd rather go with what he wants to say. And, um, and, and the reason that this picture, Ezekiel's vision of a river, of the water of life flowing, um, I think it grabbed me so much, and it's been increasing in the last couple of a few weeks as I've prayed about it, is that I believe this is a word, a prophetic word for Ivy, uh, for us, for some people here. But I believe it's even, even wider than that. It's a, it's a picture of what God is doing and what he wants to do in our church, in our lives, in our nation and in the nations. And it's, and it's that God wants to do in our day um, what he showed Ezekiel in his day. God wants to do in our day what he showed Ezekiel in his day. And I don't know if you've ever read Ezekiel much. or I don't, I've never preached on this passage before. In 25 years or so I've been preaching. But here goes. So if you want to find it in the Bible, you can, or you can read it off the screen. Ezekiel chapter 47 says, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple. This is like Ezekiel's had a, a guided tour by an angel of some incredible um, vision of, of, a, of a great big temple in a city. 
Then he brought me back to the door of the temple and I saw a stream flowing eastward from beneath the temple and passing to the right of the altar, that is on its south side. Don't worry about the directions, that isn't what matters. Then he brought me outside the wall through the north passageway and around to the eastern entrance where I saw the stream flowing along on the south side. Measuring as he went, he took me 1,500 feet east along the stream and told me to go across. So he's getting into the middle. At that point, the water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,500 feet and told me to cross again. This time, the water was up to my knees. 1,500 feet after that, it was up to my waist. Around 1,500 feet, it had become a river so deep I wouldn't be able to get across unless I were to swim. It was too deep to cross on foot. He told me to keep in mind what I'd seen, then led me back along the bank. Now, to my surprise, many trees were growing on both sides of the river. He told me this river flows east through the desert and the Jordan Valley to the Dead Sea, where it will heal the salty waters and make them fresh and pure. Everything touching the water of this river shall live. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will be healed. Wherever this water flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand among, along the shores of the Dead Sea, fishing all the way from En Gedi to En Eglaim. The shores will be filled with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as they do the Mediterranean. That's a miracle he's talking about there. But the marshes and swamps will not be healed. They will still be salty. In other words, the places where this life, this river doesn't touch won't be changed. It's all about the river, the water touching. All kinds of fruit trees will grow along the riverbanks. The the leaves will never turn brown and fall. There will always be fruit. There will be a new crop every month without fail for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for medicine. And to understand all this, you have to realise that this was not just any kind of moment in the Bible or in the Old Testament. If anything, this was the low point of the Old Testament. you can't really understand maybe the whole Bible and I'm beginning to realise until we realise how low this was. This was a low point, but it was also a turning point. Ezekiel 47 is probably the lowest point in the history of the nation of Israel, the lowest point in the story of the whole Old Testament, but it's also the turning point. Do you know that God can make the low point the turning point? See, it's the low point because you can go back through the Bible, the Old Testament, and you see there's lots of high points and low points, and, but this one really does get lower and lower and lower. So we're going to play a quick game of high point, low point, which is a game I've just made up. <laughs> and, um, you know, you guess, you guess how it goes. God, God made everything and put everybody in a garden. This is in Genesis chapter 1, and it was a garden full of trees. Genesis 2 says, a, a river interestingly, watered the garden and then the river flowed out from the Garden of Eden and separated into four headwaters. They're like life-giving waters that went out from the Garden of Eden throughout the land. High point or low point? High High point, very good. The people, though, ate the one tree out of all the trees God made for them. He says, there's one tree I don't want you to eat and they ate the tree and disobeyed him. Low point. Then eventually God called somebody called Abraham and he said, I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing everywhere you go. I'm going to give you a promised land, a special land that's going to flow with milk and honey. And I'm going to give this to you and your descendants. High High point. point. But then 
the people again eventually disobeyed God, turned their backs on him. They ended up as slaves in Egypt for many years and had no hope of escape. Low point, you're good at this. But he delivered them. He brought them out and you know, Moses came and there's incredible miracles and Pharaoh was basically punished. And then they were, they were brought into that promised land and they were given commandments of like, if you live this way, here's some commandments, live like this and I can bless you. High point, very good. Then after that, there were all kinds of judges and kings who reigned over the nation of Israel. And to be honest with you, that's high point, low point, high point, low point. You just read all these different people's stories and it's very up and down. But then eventually you get a king after David called Solomon. And Solomon was this incredible king who ruled a golden age, really, in Jerusalem and, uh, and in Israel. And he built a temple in the city for God to be worshipped, this incredible building. And, the, and at one point he, he sacrificed an, 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 all these animals and it was all a bit... And then, but then the glory of God came and filled the temple. Super high point. But after Solomon, the nation got corrupted. Uh, his, his son Rehoboam after him got into a bit of an argument with some people and before long the whole nation split north and south and the northern kingdom fell to Assyria and was brought into exile low, low. low point but it gets even lower because the southern kingdom that was left behind they continued to rebel despite the warning of prophets despite all kinds of uh, words from God they kept on rebelling against God and they ended up and Ezekiel's one of the prophets who's warning them they, they ended up being um, taken away too to a place called Babylon where now they were going to be in exile and this is where Ezekiel is writing his, um, his prophecy from this part of it that we just read together before so that's, this is the lowest point of all Jerusalem is smashed the, the temple is gone. It's just rubble. The people have been brought away from the, the promised land because they broke the promise. See, when the, for years they're wrestling with how could God let this happen? How could this happen to us? And then the answer every time they pray is, well, because you broke the covenant. You broke the promise. You didn't live the way that God told you to live and you disobeyed him. You basically bowed down to every idol that you could possibly bow down to. You broke all of the commands that were given to him. You didn't care about the poor. You just cared about yourselves. And, and you, that's the reason. That's why God has brought it to this low point. And so he's wrestling, he's praying with this and God speaks to Ezekiel as a prophet in various ways throughout the whole of, the, of, of, of his book in chapter 14 and chapter 18 God speaks to him about an individual responsibility he says actually don't just complain about what your ancestors did or what happened before you it's they it, it said the soul that sins is going to die that every individual is responsible for their own life and their own decisions he says look God says to him even if in a city you had Noah and Job and Daniel living in it and they lived really blameless lives. Their goodness would only be good enough to in somehow try and save themselves, but he wouldn't be able to save anybody else. So the only way to change your future, rather than moaning about your past or that what the previous generation did, is to look at your own heart and then repent of your own sins. Don't point at anybody else. Because repentance is actually where it starts to turn around. The Old Testament word for repent literally means turn. You've been going one way, turn. Go a different way. 
And repentance starts to turn it around. In repentance, we, it sounds like a bad thing. It's a good thing because it starts to turn things around. It even turns the low point into a turnaround point. And so God says to Ezekiel, I don't want anybody to die. I just want people to turn away from their wickedness. I want you to put your sins behind you and then I'll put my spirit within you. I'll put a new heart inside of you. And God wants to turn this low point around and he keeps on giving all of these promises God's a God of hope you know he, he, he always every situation you can guarantee God's got a word of hope he always wants to bring hope in every situation no matter how bleak it seems and so he's been wrestling for 25 years Ezekiel's been wrestling with how did this happen and, and why is Jerusalem just this mess and this, this wilderness of a place and, and what went wrong and then God just starts to speak more and more hope to him in chapter 36 God says I will bring you back home again your filthiness will be washed away your idol worship will go and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you he said I'm going to take out that stony heart of sin that heart that's unresponsive to me that's hard towards other people and I'm going to put a new heart in you that's tender that's made of flesh that's responsive to me and my word and to my love and, uh, and then he says I'm going, to, I'm going to put my spirit inside of you so that you will obey my laws I'm going to write those laws on your hearts not on tablets of stone because you're going to be my people and then in chapter 37, Ezekiel has this famous vision, a valley of dry bones. He goes into this, this, this valley and it's just full of skeletons. And, uh, and, and it's just bones. And God speaks to him and says, son of man, can these dry bones live? And he says, basically, I don't know, only you know. And then God says, right, you speak a word. Speak a word of life to the dry bones and when he speaks and when he prophesies to the bones he sees an incredible thing you see these bones start to join together again and they start to, to be stuck together and then as, as they start together he says he, st- he starts to see sinews and, and then he sees skin forming over them and, and then the Holy Spirit the spirit of life comes into them and they stand up and he becomes an army not an army of skeleton, an army of, of flesh inspired, full of bones and spirit and going for God, doing what he's doing. And all of this is God saying, get ready, get ready. There's hope. The turning point is coming in your low point. And in chapter 39, God says, I will restore the fortunes of my people. I'm going to pour my spirit on them. That's how he does it. It's a turning point. Then in chapter 40, for, to be honest with you, for about seven chapters, it gets a bit boring. Because there's just, Ezekiel has this vision of an angel who basically comes and takes him on a guided tour. First of all, he shows him this city and then he shows him this incredible, enormous temple, perfectly square. Now this temple was way bigger than the one that had been destroyed, Solomon's temple. It was way bigger than what was built later by Ezra and Nehemiah and finished off by Herod, the one that Jesus went and taught and turned the tables over in. This was this incredible, huge edifice way bigger than anybody who's going to build physically and and God goes into detail for like six chapters incredible detail and all of the stuff that's going on you know for us it's too much detail but the fact is God's interested in detail because he's saying I'm going to make this right I'm going to do this right this time it's going to be something I'm going to build because God's getting something ready a temple he's getting a temple ready to fill again with his spirit and you know what, what's, what's that temple now? This was never built physically. What's the temple now? It's us. Put your hand up. Point it at somebody else. Point it at you. 
<laughs> temple, 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 temple. Waiting to be filled with the Spirit of God. So, and this is the turning point. He's back where he started in this reading. And he says, then he brought me round and he took me back to the entrance of the temple. That's where our reading started. And there was water flowing out. You could really put a staple in your Bible there. This is like the middle, if you like. This is the, the low point that's going to become the turning point. The very last bit, all of the Old Testament has brought us to a place of despair, hopelessness, exile, and nothing going on. An empty building but then he goes round to the front and he sees, hang on, there's some water. A little trickle that started and it's flowing out. It's not just on the inside, this is flowing out of the building. And from this point on, everything is looking forward. Everything else is looking forward to Jesus coming. Everything is looking forward to the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit being poured out on all people. And it starts as this, it starts in the altar. It starts at this, at this place of sacrifice and prayer. There's this tiny trickle. There's this teardrop of God's grace that starts to flow. And it grows and it grows and it grows. And you know what? It's never stopped growing. This is what God's work is doing has never, ever stopped growing and getting deeper and wider. And it will never stop going deeper and wider throughout the whole of history. And he notices that where it goes out is in the direction of the wasteland. It goes to the hard places, it goes to the driest places, it goes to the dead places and starts to bring life in the desert. And this is no ordinary water, you see. This is God's living water. This is a river. He is the source of the river. And you read on, you see, there's no tributaries that join and fill it. There's no rain that falls on it to make it bigger. It's only God, he's the source of it and he's making it flow. And soon its volume increases and increases exponentially. It goes really fast. And nobody explains anything to him, but Ezekiel just told, step in. Step in. And he goes in and he's a bit like me. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, put a little foot in Ooh, whoa because before long he's in way quicker way deeper than he expected to be and first of all it says that he goes about a third of a mile it's quite a long way and it's, it's ankle deep Ooh, it's quite, quite alright that's your comfort zone isn't it then he's up to his knees third more in oh I'm not so sure about this and then it's up to his waist and God's taking him out of his comfort zone God's pushing him into a place that he wants him to be until eventually he takes him to a place that you can't walk in this anymore. You're going to have to swim. You're going to have to swim in this flow. And it's a river no one can cross. It's too deep. And this is living water. This is the, this is the incredible thing. He says, because everything it touches, wherever it touches, life comes. And then he says, get, he's told, get out of the water. Look back at the bank. And he looks back at the bank and there's this desert place. There's this place where nothing ever grows, where there's no life. And he looks back and wow, amazingly, he sees all along the banks of the river, both sides, there are these trees full of fruit just sprung up in the desert. And it's like a new garden of Eden that God has just made happen and there's no forbidden fruit you can have all of them and these trees that it says the leaves are for the healing of the nations there's healing in the leaves and the fruit is like amazing too and 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 this doesn't just happen once a year that there's a harvest this is every month and he's asked can you understand it and he, and he said i don't think he can understand it do you know why because i don't think it was for him i think he maybe saw the beginning of it but I believe we're in days, we're heading towards days when we're going to see the fulfilment of it. And people here, some of us are going to see this fulfilled in our generation. And the biggest miracle though is when this river 
which has now become from this little trickle, now it's become a river and it touches the Dead Sea. Because, had anybody been to the Dead Sea? I've been to the Dead Sea. You can go as a little tourist thing and float about on it famously and all of that because you can float in it because it's like a chemical soup. There's magnesium and bromide and it's the highest concentration of salt water. It's 19 times more than any other sea. Um, and it's, it is actually the lowest point of Earth, the Dead Sea. 1,400 feet below sea level. It's the lowest low point. 30 miles long, nine miles wide, and the Jordan trickles into it, but nothing flows out of it, and that's why it's dead. Because it's got stuff coming in, but nothing coming out. And that's the way to death. There's no war, no fish, no plants, no life in this huge expanse of water. And I wish I could show you, because it didn't work on the, this gift thing, but... the. If you looked at that for the last 32 years, if you look on Google, you see it's actually shrinking all the time. The last 32 years, it's got smaller. It's always getting smaller. That's a picture of a life. If you've got a life that's all about me, that's just taking in, you think you're getting more, but you're not, you're getting less. You're getting less and less and less. You're getting less of a life. But when this tiny trickle of God's living water from the temple's grown into a flood and then it's become a stream and then it's become a river then it's become a mighty river and then it hits this stagnant water this sea of stagnant water pow those waters become full of life literally they're teeming with life that's the power of God's living water it's a picture of God's Holy Spirit and it's what he wants to do right here right now in us and through us it says it will become fresh everything will live where the river goes everything will live where the river flows and some people are looking at our nation and are saying we're at one of the lowest points we could ever remember some people are saying that some people are certainly looking at the church and saying well the church seems to be at a very low ebb you know and it's difficult to disagree with that in some ways but the low point can become the turning point with repentance and with a move of the Holy Spirit And this prophet who's seen the temple destroyed, who's lived 25 years with failure and frustration, starts to see, he sees suddenly the Dead Sea has become a fishing hole. It's full of fish. There's fishermen sitting under trees that shouldn't even be there, catching fish that should never even be in there. Because, and, And if you want, you can dive in and have a really nice swim. What a transformation. God's river of life. Is flowing. When his life flows out into the world and touches the world, anything and everything can change because the water brings life. The water brings hope. The water brings change. And if you've been with us in this series so far, you might remember we started with a meeting with a woman, a, a Samaritan woman. Jesus met with her. And he was met her by a well and he started to talk to her about water. And he said to her, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me and I would give you living water. That's in John's Gospel. In fact, three times John's Gospel, we can put that one on, points us back to the living water that Ezekiel saw here, her. That's what he said. He said rivers of living water are going to flow from the innermost being of anyone who lives in me. This is another, another reference in John chapter 7. He said, he said, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and said, if anybody's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For the scriptures declare that rivers of living water shall flow from where? Inside. 
inside anyone who believes in me. And then John says he was speaking of the Holy Spirit who would be given to everyone who was a really good Christian who never got anything wrong. (laughs) Or to the person, no, it didn't say that. What does it say? Everyone, every church leader who's been to Bible school. No, 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 I didn't say that. No, it just says everyone believing in Jesus can have the Holy Spirit's artesian well of power flowing in an unstoppable stream from inside of you. And he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is the water. Jesus is saying he wants to put this river inside you and me and he wants it to flow out to the world how do we get the Holy Spirit within us well do you remember what John said later on he said when Jesus died on the crossroads and John was there watching he says as a soldier pierced his side with a spear he says I saw blood and water flow out the stream of living water started at the cross 2000 years ago there was a a, a fountain of life that flowed from the place of death on the cross and that water will wash away every sin that blood will will cancel the power of every curse that flow of mercy started 2000 years ago and it's just got deeper and deeper and deeper ever since no nothing can stop it and nothing will ever stop it and everything will live where that water goes. Everything will live where the river goes. Do you remember I said the Bible starts out with an earthly Eden and there was rivers that flowed out of, uh, out, of gar- out of the Garden of Eden? An earthly one. Now, it ends with a heavenly Eden and a heavenly river. In the very last chapter of the Bible, the Apostle John, the same guy who heard Jesus talking to that Samaritan woman who, who, well, afterwards found out about it, who, who heard him say that he's, the, the, uh, the, 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 that he's going to put this life inside of us and saw him dying on a cross, gets taken up in a vision and he sees the river of life. Look at this, Revelation 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God. He's the source and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, this is familiar, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree was for the healings of the nations. No longer will there be anything cursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. Everything in history is heading towards that. Everything that God is doing is heading towards that. The last page of the Bible, the end of the story, is a new beginning. That's where history is headed. That's where the river of God is flowing deeper and deeper and deeper until then. So my question to you is, while that river's flowing, do you feel dry? Do you still feel a bit parched? Does anybody here feel like? Because if you do, there used to be meetings that we used to do in church sometimes. We were saying we might even do a retro church one day in here and get the overhead projector out and I'll dress up and everything. But, but there were these rivers, they, they call them like, oh, get in the river. You have the Holy Spirit flowing meetings and people all kind of wave a banner or something like this. And it's like, let's get in the river. And it's great, it's great. But I don't think God wants to do that these days. You know what he wants? It's not a matter of you get in the river. It's you get the river in you. You have the river flowing in you. You have the Holy Spirit flowing in you. A supernatural work of God's Spirit on the inside. And then you let that river flow, flow out. The water's in you, but you don't just say, oh, this is great water for me. You let it flow. Remember Jesus said, the water I give will become in him, in her, a spring of water welling up to everlasting life. For who? The one who believes it. 
If you believe it, that's how you get this river inside of you. So where's the temple now? We're the temple. So much bigger than any church building that could ever be built or could ever contain. This is the people of God. And what we've got to do is receive, receive, drink deeply in of everything that God has got for you. Don't get dry. And then you start, and then, then you, you release and healing and power and hope starts to flow out of us. Where? Everywhere. Everywhere the river touches, the low points become turning points. The water starts to flow. And the river, you see, has life because it's moving, because it's got a flow. It's not just sitting there like the Dead Sea. You get an inflow and you have an outflow. You have an influence. You have people and places that you can touch and bring life in Jesus' name. And when it, I'll see what it looks like when the river's not flowing, when it just becomes a bit stale. Maybe some people you've been, maybe it's because you've been paddling and staying in your comfort zone rather than going as deep as God wants you to be. Or some, here's the, some of the, the diagnostics. When you long to see the power of God impacting people around you and you wonder why it's not taking place. When you start to, you, you still come to church on Sundays, but people around you in your daily life on Monday and Wednesday and Friday don't notice anything different about you because of the life that you lead or demonstrate. It doesn't seem to be filled with God's power. Or you feel a bit bored. You get in a bit of a rut in your Christian life. Or you've, you've received lots of teaching and preaching, and, but when you start to think about it, you can't really remember the last time you put something into practice. These are signs. Or you do ministry but it's not very fruitful. You're not seeing the fruit. How does that happen? Two ways. You stop receiving or you stop releasing. Maybe that's what you need to see. You need to say, God, I want you to clear out anything in me that is going to stop the flow of you. I want to receive, but I also want to release. See, the Dead Sea has that inflow from the Jordan, but it has no outflow. And... It's getting smaller and smaller. I don't ever want, I don't want you to become a Dead Sea Christian. Somebody who listens to a bit of teaching, sings a few songs, comes in, goes out, and nothing's really changed. And nothing's changing around you. There's no fruit. There's no fish biting. I was at Lambeth Palace this week for some incredible meetings, and I was prophesied over by a leader who I admire greatly, who's kind of accurate, and I know this. And I wrote down what he said, but I'd never forget it. He said this, he came over to me and prayed for me. He said, you are going to see the spiritual revival that brings the social revival, that brings the economic revival to and from the wastelands of the north. In the places long forgotten, he said, this is what you were born for together with Zoe. And I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Because when you start to connect to God and when his Holy Spirit starts to flow, when you start to share with other people about what God is doing in your life, something new starts to spring up and you get God-appointed opportunities. And it's in every season and there's fruit in places where there was never any fruit. And there's life in places where it was just dead before. And you get to go around and you encourage somebody or you pray for somebody. And, and the river of life is flowing in you and out of you. And you're receiving and releasing and receiving and releasing and receiving and releasing. And the ripple effects of what God is wanting to do starts to change everywhere around you. Even if it feels like a desert right now, there's life that starts to come. And Ezekiel saw it for us. Is it, when the, where the river of life connected, where the living water connects with the dead sea, life comes, healing comes, fruit comes in Jesus' name. Where? Everywhere. Everywhere the water hits. Salt water becomes fresh. 
Desert places become orchards. Trees, healing leaves, abundant fruit. The church building empties because everybody's gone fishing. And God's spirit is poured out. There's such a miraculous catch of all kinds of fish because life is everywhere where the water touches. So if you're feeling dry today, or if you just long to see some fruitfulness, maybe, you've, maybe you need to ask God, have I stopped receiving? Or have I stopped releasing? Because whatever the answer is this, Jesus just says, come to me. Come to me. If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The band are going to come up. And we're going to just have a little time where we're going to sing. And we're going to sing that song again that Jeff taught us. But this is about a time for us to, you know, some people, I don't know if you've ever been filled with the Holy Spirit or not. And don't tell me you, you were filled in 1974 at such and such thing. All right, the question is, are you full? Because in Ephesians, Paul says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit, literally, perfect tense. Don't tell me you, are, you were filled. Are you full of the Holy Spirit? So people notice I can be full of all kinds of negative spirits and moany spirits. I can be full of all kind of negative spirits. Are you full of the Holy Spirit? And the way we get that is, Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give. You start to flow. And the water of God's Spirit is getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And he wants to pull us out of our comfort zones. Another one of the speakers at this conference is a guy called Pastor Agu. He has this amazing, huge church in London, Jesus House. And he was saying that God told him um, six weeks ago, he ended up not going to a meeting somewhere. And he, had to, and he just thought, I'm going to go in my church and start to pray for an hour and a half every day. And he did it. And, and he's been going an hour and a half every day. And he says, and the, the, meeting, the presence of God is so powerful in those meetings. It's just, he said, and he said, and I'm listening to it. I was literally listening, thinking he's going to say something about this. And he said, it's like in Ezekiel 47. It's like when the river was just getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And God's calling us and he's saying, I don't want you just to be ankle deep anymore. I want you to come into the water. I want you to go deeper into the water. Because we're destined, I believe, for the greatest flow of the Holy Spirit in the whole of history. I really believe that. And we need to be ready to swim. Not just to paddle, but to dive right in. So let's pray. Stand or, or sit as you want to do, but the river, Lord, we, we want your river, your unstoppable flow. I want it in me. Nothing's going to stop what you're doing in the, in the church, in the world, Lord. Even now, your Holy Spirit is moving across the nation. Ever since the day of Pentecost, when your Holy Spirit was poured out, that flow began at the cross it got bigger at Pentecost and it's getting deeper and wider and nothing will stop it flowing. And the world is full of people out there who are hungry and thirsty and empty. The Dead Sea is out there in so many ways. And Lord, we want your life to flow in me. Put your Holy Spirit in me, but don't keep the Holy Spirit in me. Let the Holy Spirit flow through me. When you stand just to, if you're able to, just to put, and put your hands out in a kind of receiving posture. Receive. You can't do this on your own. No wonder we get dry and feel tired out. You try to do miracles. You try to do God stuff by yourself. I'm, I know what that's like. I've tried to do it. Lord, I can't do this. I can't bring life to anybody. I can't bring hope to anybody. It's not in me until you put that in me. So fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Why don't you just ask him?
whether you've done it before or never done it before, you know, Jesus, blood and water washes away all of our sins. His sacrifice on the cross is enough so that you never have to feel guilty because you can always know that relationship. Know that you're not condemned, but you're loved. Come Holy Spirit in this place. Why don't you just pray that? Come Holy Spirit. Come and fill me up. I want to receive you. Uh, Lord, let your river inside of me flow. Go deeper and deeper. I want to be in your presence. I need your power. I want to drink. I want to swim. I don't want to just paddle about. When your life hits my life and flows out of my life, then in my family, Lord, life in Jesus' name. In that precious family we're praying for, life in Jesus' name. For Connor, life in Jesus' name. Healing, healing fruit in Jesus' name. We believe that, Lord. We receive and we release. Lord, wake up every gift that you've placed inside of me. Let the fruit come faster than I could ever make anything happen. You can do it as I yield to you. I want to go deeper, Lord. Further. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.